And now, coming at you from Yellowknife, Canada, from one of our living rooms, we're talking movies. And sometimes TV shows. With spoilers included, folks. This is Armchair Reviews. Wait, is that is that based off like the armchair quarterback is saying? Is that what we're talking about right now? Chris, we, we spoke about this before. Are you sure? Yes, more than once. Positive, though. You wrote the joke. Oh, God damn it. All right, you're right. I apologize. Featuring Chris Godin and James McKay. Hey, we're back, folks. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Reviews. My name is Chris Godden, and this week, yes, it's been almost two months since our last episode. A lot of shit has gone down since then. I actually was on vacation uh, for most of August, so I kind of put a damper on episodes. I tried to get some friends involved with another uh, episode while I was in town there, but it didn't work out. James is not with me today, so you're stuck with this voice for the next, I don't know how long. This is the first time I'm doing it by myself. Lucky you. We both get to experience this together, so it should be fun. Um, That being said, while I was on vacation, um, I went to Ottawa, back to my hometown, and I got to experience a real theater. Uh, So before we get into the main event of this podcast, um, I'm just going to break down what's been going on, what I what I saw in, the, what in Ottawa, what's been going on with the podcast. Um, so first and foremost, reason we, why we haven't been as active as we usually have been, other than my being gone for almost a full month uh, in Ottawa, uh, well, James is working his dick off, folks. He is working two jobs, and... Uh, Pretty much night and day for the kid. He has been saving up for his honeymoon. You know what? So you can't blame the guy for that. He wants to have a nice, lovely vacation that he will so, so have much deserved. So I'm going to do this one by myself. Um, while I was in Ottawa, I actually got to see a bunch of movies in the theater. And I, and I said earlier, a real theater. I know James and I have previously shot on our theater here in Yellowknife for good reason I went back to Ottawa and I didn't just see a movie I had an experience all right the first one I'm going to talk about here real quick I I saw four four movies in theaters while I was in Ottawa there which is awesome I I, I'm really happy I had that much time to go see these things Um, the first one I'm really happy I got to saw uh to see I should say uh in a theater was a Mission Impossible Fallout. And I'm so happy I got to see it in this kind of theater. This theater, okay, so I don't know if it's just regulation now for any theater down south to just have recliner sofa chairs in every possible seat and to have your seat reserved upon purchase of the ticket. I don't know if that's regulation now, but I'm fucking happy it's there. Uh, I went to see it with my buddy. And holy shit, I'm so glad I saw it in the theater because this movie was awesome. This is probably the most fun Mission Impossible I've seen in theaters. Uh, I'm not gonna get in, I'm not gonna get into full reviews of these things uh, just because I'll be strapped on time. Maybe not, but there's a lot to cover with this Mission Impossible. It is so sweet. Um, I actually had a <laughs> had a really good time with it. I wouldn't mind seeing it again in theaters. A good theater that being said but 
it was a lot of fun. Tom Cruise, he's batshit crazy as ever doing his own stunts. That uh, helo jump where I saw the behind the scenes where he's jumping out of this plane from obnoxious heights and he's just landing right in front of that cameraman like face to face and that's all real that's not a stunt it's it was amazing it was so so good um henry cavill as uh the cia counterpart to um tom cruise they they kind of compare each other you know tom cruise is like the um fuck what's that uh, the, the knife that the scalpel and henry cavill is the hammer and it, they work so well as those roles. And I really liked Henry Cavill in this role. His, his mustache is looking on point. Uh, I'm so glad he didn't get rid of it. <laughs> Justice League obviously shit the bed for trying to remove it CGI. With CGI. It was, it was all around just... It wouldn't let up. It's one of those movies that just doesn't let up. Probably one of the best Mission Impossibles of the franchise. If not the best. I actually started watching uh, Mission Impossible 3. Um, the other day, and that's the one I really think that the franchise was turning around in. That whole um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. His his villain, I think, helped elevate that that movie, and then just the way it shot, it was shot with by J.J. Abrams. It was a really well done movie, and then and then from there on, every every movie's been kind of stepping it up with live action scenes. Obviously, in this in this one, Fallout, Tom Cruise breaks his fucking ankle or some shit his leg jumping across rooftops I don't know how he gets away with this shit <clears throat> but he does and that's what makes he's great because it, it it feels that much more involved you know it's not cutting away with weird um, like fill-ins or stunt doubles you can actually see it's Tom Cruise he's jumping across these rooftops obviously there's cables and shit everywhere but you know he's the one riding the motorcycle it is really fun I would highly recommend that and uh, yeah, for for a movie going experience, amazing. On to the next one, real quick. I was really excited about this movie coming out. Um, I know, I know, it like it looked fucking terrible or really fun. I don't know, depending on if you're like me or not. The Meg, the shark movie, the giant shark movie featuring Jason Statham. Holy shit! I saw this the first trailer. I saw this. I'm like, yep, I need to see this. It had. It had me reminiscing about that. Again, you may not, you know, may not like it. You may love it. Fucking Deep Blue Sea, the early two thousands Deep Blue Sea. I remember even nineteen nineties. I don't know any at this point. It was awesome. I remember seeing that movie in the theater with my sister. It was hilarious. Thomas Jane, you know, you had Samuel Jackson. Fuck, um, the older Scar Skarsgård that's in the uh, the other uh, Thor movies. It had an awesome cast. LL Cool J. LL Cool J was the chef, and he stole the scenes in that movie. It The Meg reminded me a lot of that, how it was it was campy. It kind of knew what it was. It wasn't too bad. You know, it, was, it wasn't great by any means. It had a kind of a, a funny premise. You know, there's, there's a uh, – the Marianas Trench isn't, isn't as deep as you think it is. There's this shelf that, that covers up beneath it. It's like a – um, some sort of gaseous layer that uh, that blocks any sight going down. You have to dive beneath it. It looks like a surface, but you have to dive beneath it. And underneath there, there's a whole bunch of creepy crawlers, like gigantic squid and a whole different life, uh, bunch of life forms. And that's where apparently megalodons have been living. Now, I know there's errors 
with that whole whole idea because obviously Jason Statham in the opening scene you see him rescuing a submarine at the bottom of the ocean the regular ocean not the fake bottom of the ocean the regular ocean and he gets attacked by what seems like a megalodon but it's not beneath that thing so another megalodon got above but it didn't either way you know throughout the movie there's multiple megalodons it it it's, it doesn't add up but it's still really kind of fun. It's really cheesy. It's super, super cheesy. But I had a lot of... I would have liked it if it was a little bit more like rated R rather than PG-13. Because... I don't know. I just It just felt like the shark attacks could have been a little bit more visceral. But all in all... Bad, maybe. Kind of... Kind of fun. Like a guilty pleasure. I knew it was going to be a guilty pleasure going into it. But I still walked away from it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I had a good time. All right, I'm going to leave it as is. That's my short little review. You'll you'll probably have a fun time with it. I'll tell you this much, okay? What happened earlier this week, 47 meters down, that shit movie that James and I did a while back, like a double feature, holy fuck, that movie sucked. I hated that movie so much for a shark attack movie. If, if that that just got announced to have a sequel, it's getting a sequel. I don't know. I don't know how. I didn't think it did that well. You know what? Fuck it. Apparently it did. It's getting a sequel. If that movie, if that stupid shark attack movie gets a sequel, go guess what? There better be a fucking Megalodon 2. There better be a Meg 2. At least this is mainstream Sharknado stupidity. And I'm I'm a fan, okay? I'm a fan. I don't mind that. But 47 meters down, it was just... I hated... I hated the main people playing in it. I don't think it was their fault, but I hated it. Hated it. But at least I had a little fun. It was, it was a cheesy fun. And at least that's what they were going for in the Meg. Uh, I'm going to get on a tangent there, but I'm going to stop myself because I have more movies to get through there. Okay, number three movie I saw in Ottawa, The Equalizer 2. Now, I actually enjoyed the first Equalizer uh, with, with, you know, a friend of the show, Denzel, you know. I enjoyed it. It was actually pretty fun. Um, you know, one man taking on the world. You don't really know his past, but you kind of can figure it out. He nailed it. He brought it down. Um, you know, Chloe Grace Moretz was... Uh, kind of a supporting character in that very minimal but she's kind of like the the trigger which sets him off to get back in this world the second one more of the same except just nearly just not executed as well you kind of learn more about him in a way you go back to his hometown you know you go back to his old house for christ's sake in this final showdown with his old team because they're a bunch of pricks now you know if it comes on Netflix I won't turn it off but it's one of those things you put on the background you can kind of see where it's going nothing is that suspenseful but the action set pieces they're they're kind of fun I didn't mind it for that reason but again I wasn't as thrilled as I was watching the first one that being said you know it's like it's like if you have these characters that are just juggernauts, you have like these John Wick guys. 
I don't mind learning about the world, but what's made them fascinating in the first place is because you knew so little about them to begin with. Now you're kind of trying to crack away like this, this walnut that you just kind of pry over this oyster. You're just trying to get to the fucking pearl in the middle or the nut in the middle. And you know, who cares? I, I like the mystery of just knowing that these guys are badasses and finding little like little little bits and pieces of information through like maybe character development through character dialogue that's cool but I'd, I'd rather you just like discover that as you're watching and experiencing the movie rather than rather than being shown directly okay this is where I came from or this is where the character came from you know what I mean I don't I don't know they did a they did a lot of show rather than learn across a period of time in this one it was still you know again still badass but meh I'm kind of over it all right the last one <laughs> I save I save this one for last because it is fucking infuriating all right this one I don't know it was my last night actually I stayed an extra night in Ottawa than I should have because WestJet fucked up my flights um, they canceled or no they didn't fuck up the plane had some sort of malfunction and guess what one flight gets fucked up the other two get fucked up all right so everything got bounced back a day a full day and they messed up one of my plus seats okay yeah i paid extra for plus seating because i don't want to sit with the peasants okay for longer than four hours i had a shit time flying from Yellowknife to ottawa on the way there with a drunk at 6 a.m he was having a rough time he smelled like the inside of an asshole and he just was being really friendly. Just being like, I, I bet, you know what? I bet I was the flight attendant's best friend because this prick could have shut down the plane. All right. But you know what? I talked to him because if I didn't talk to him, he was going to lose his shit that he didn't get his beer can at 630 in the morning because his debit visa wasn't working. Anyway, I digress. I saw... Slender Man in theaters because I stayed an extra day and I had some time to burn. Slender Man. Now this is obviously based on the off the obviously I say fuck. The creepy past of Slender Man, you know? You know, ever heard of that uh that crime of two girls in Wisconsin? They murdered their friend because of Slender Man told them to? Yeah, okay. It's about that character, this lanky fellow without a face in a black dress suit that's fucking infinitely tall and apparently he doesn't have sugar watches his carb intake really really i don't know skinny slender you could say so he kidnaps children that's all the creepy pasta says he kidnaps children preferably makes people disappear they made a movie about it it was pg-13 fuck i sat through the first five minutes and I wanted to leave and I and I don't want to leave movies really in the theater but you know what I figured fuck it I'm gonna stick it out maybe maybe I'm judging it too too harshly nope it was horrendous horrendous like I can't even explain this accurately enough for you to picture okay if this ever comes out that you may be like, hey, you know what, babe, let's go watch a movie on Netflix. I'll put on Slenderman. No. 
don't do that. Please, for the love of God, don't ever watch this movie. It's just a steaming pile of shit. The writing is terrible. There's nothing scary about it. All the suspense is 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 dog shit. Like, there's no suspense. Let's just say that there's no suspense. The characters are are inescapably dumb. Just it just no ifs, ands, or buts. They're dumb, and it was painful. It was painful. Oh, now there's another reason why. I'm, and that's all I'm going to say about Slenderman, by the way. Just don't see it. It was a waste. Like, even even seeing it in a real theater, it just did, didn't save it. Now, there's a reason why I led up into this horror kind of, like, I say horror in quotations with Slenderman because it was dog shit. It's, it's teen terror, which I like to call that, that kind of horror, which is just aimed at preteens and yeah I fell for it because I, I like the genre but this spits on the faces genre on this genre anyway but now folks we're gonna get to the main feature of this episode um, try to get James to come out to this one as well again scheduling conflicts it's kind of ripping us all over the place he's Days, nights, nights, days. I'm working my own shift work, which is all over the place as well. I'm a relief worker, so you never know what my schedule is going to be for the most part. Didn't work out, but I was able to sneak in a 7 o'clock viewing of highly anticipated, I don't know, kind of anticipated uh, horror movie, The Nun. Now, The Nun is, I don't know, like the fifth, sixth movie in the Conjuring franchise, I should say the budding Conjuring franchise of of James Wan. He's the one, pretty much the director that started all of this with the Conjuring, um, Conjuring Two, Annabelle, Annabelle Two, and I think yeah, the fifth movie, fifth movie in the growing franchise. That's crazy. This horror movie, this horror movie shtick for this for this universe. It's a it's a universe right now. It is a universe. That's amazing. It's, it's not just regular sequels that you, that you see. Obviously, you had Annabelle and Conjuring, but it is fully butting off into its own horror universe. Much better than what, um, you know, the Mummy or the Invisible Man or any of those those universal creatures could ever do. It's its own thing. It's like ghosts and possession and demons. It's its own franchise now. And it's doing a lot better, in my opinion, than the DC Universe, which today, by the way, has just cut ties with Henry Cavill as Superman. Now, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about this horror movie, The Nun, and the movies that came before it, its predecessors, which built this franchise. Now, this movie is, I think it's the only one, it is the only one so far, that that doesn't have any of this, quote-unquote, based on a true story um, a tag to it. Now it's it has the same antagonist, I'd say the um, the demon, the the nun demon. Obviously, the the title character, the nun, um, and that obviously was built up in the other movies as well. But I don't think the Conjuring and the Conjuring Two was all about this nun. It wasn't fictional for the purposes of storytelling, but. It's one of these villains that has now tied these movies together um, subsequently 
You know, it, it appeared in Annabelle 2, their creation, which James and I did go see in theaters, which we, I can't remember, I think we had an all right time with it, other than the moviegoers in that in that theater. They were losing their shit, and I had some beef with them. But, you know, this franchise is growing, and it's growing for a reason, because it it's it has some spooks, it has some scares, some legitimate ones, too. Now, that being said, for this one, I'm going to say it right off the bat before I get into details about the movie. I felt like there was something missing. There was a piece missing. It was a, it was a jigsaw puzzle, and there that one piece that it just it's gnawing at me. I can't quite put my finger on it. I can't find it. It's under the rug somewhere. It got swallowed up by a vacuum. I don't know where it is. I can't find it. I can't complete the puzzle because something was missing. But let's get into this movie, The Nun. It revolves around, well, it's set in 1952, Romania, at this castle. And it opens with kind of grisly, um, nun commits suicide. You know, there's this unseen force, kills a nun off screen, kind of gets dragged away. Nun, for whatever reason, takes the, a key jumps out a window kills herself okay it's kind of grisly it's like kind of a heresy honestly that's like the ultimate more like the ultimate sin suicide especially in catholicism you're a nun you can't commit suicide that's crazy something's going on here the 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 vatican knows it it sends in this uh this uh investigator this this specialist let's say uh, father burke and for whatever reason the the church the vatican also pairs him with a nun who hasn't yet sworn her her vows but she um she has power she can she has visions and this is where it gets kind of tricky um for me and I, I don't necessarily know if i like it because i like the casting uh it's like taisa i can't remember, i can't pronounce the first name taisa taisa farmiga good actress she's also in american horror story uh in the the coven series of that she is the younger the youngest uh sibling of uh vera farmiga who's actually who plays lorraine warren in the other the, in the conjuring the conjuring 2 um i don't know if you see her ever in the animal movies i can't remember but she's she's the head honcho she's she's the investigator she's one of the main characters next to patrick wilson's ed warren um, I kind of like that casting because it kind of keeps them in the family. She was great. I had no issues with her. I, I actually find her to be quite a good actress. Um, it's just weird how they, they would cast your younger sister to be almost a younger version of that character. There's no relation in the movies. Only relation outside and the relation inside the, the, the universe is they both have visions. They can both kind of see what's going on. And I think that's why the Vatican obviously puts Father Burke, this specialist for what he says, miracles, with her. And then you go investigate this this castle or this, uh, what's what's it called? Um, an abbey, an abbey, this abbey. Apparently it has a dark history. Also, I'm going to say this right now before I forget. There's something off. Like, I like, it was all shot in Romania, which I really appreciate. They're on, on site in an actual castle and shit. But... I mean, do you really need fake fog? Do you need fake fog? Like in the lower tiers of it? Like, <clears throat> I don't, I feel like you're already in an establishment that's meant 
to be creepy. Like, first of all, your own the Romanian countryside. I feel like you can have shadows without having a bunch of fog. Like, this isn't Bela Lugosi's Dracula, for Christ's sake. You don't need the extra shit where you're walking through um, the forest and there's fog rolling in. I feel like the setting already does enough for that. You don't need that. I feel like that's a, that was a poor choice. It, just might, it made it a little bit more corny and it was really going for seriousness. That being said, I'll get back to the main narrative here. It's just... These two go investigate. They have the one guy, uh, this French-Canadian bloke, Frenchie, who discovered the body of the nun, who is a witness, and that's where the two first... Um, they use him, the the father Burke and um, sister Irene, who is uh, Miss Farmiga. They go see him first because he was obviously the one that found it, found the body. And he's their guide to the the abbey because he does supply runs or whatever, all that shit. And, you know, he, take, he takes them there. Um, they do a nice little funny bit where... You know, they're in the backcountry now. You can't put your shit on random trucks or anything because it drives away with your luggage. Now, on the back of that truck, however, it, you have a nice little little wink and a nod because the license plate uh, says VA, a bunch of numbers, and LAK, which is the demon name, Valak, which you find in The Conjuring 2. That's, that's the demon nun. That's a, a hint for what's coming. No, he takes them on horseback. They go up to the abbey. They find the body. Obviously, something's amiss because he put her, the, the body of the dead nun, in the ice box or whatever where he puts the supplies. Body's moved. Obviously, something's up. They can sense it. It's evil. It's demonic. Feel it in the air. Nothing happens even though the tension is there, which I like. They're doing well so far. You have my attention. But something's off. Like, for me as a viewer, like, something, I don't feel as tense as the other ones. Like, I now, the Annabelle creation movie had this tension nicely with it. I can't remember much of the first Annabelle. Um, I liked a few of those scenes a lot. And same with The Conjuring. Like, it, it, it felt unnerving when you didn't know what was happening. I like the unseen forces rather than being it shoved down your face. And I feel like this one... Um, which I'll get into a little bit, it kind of shoves that kind of shit down your face. And I don't feel like these movies are about that. I think they miss the mark there. The other ones, you're not supposed to see the evil. Kind of like in a sense of paranormal activity, like you never really saw, at least in the first one. The first one, I like. The other ones were just money grabs for the most part. It's the unseen. You don't see what's happening, which scares you and all the, the camera angles and stuff. This one, they do a lot of the same camera work that you that you see in the, the Conjuring, you know, where it kind of the camera's panning, you don't see anything. Pan, camera comes back, it's panning. Something else changes in the room, and you notice it slowly. They had done more of that, but right, you know, it's it's just more of these these jump scares, which I I don't mind a couple of them, but it, something needs to be terrifying, like terrifying. Something just needs to ah. I don't know. I just I wasn't as scared. Anyway, I'll come back to specific examples of that. Anyway, these two start investigating. They write. They come face to face with um, I don't know, Mama Nun, in a black veil. You don't see her face, and right there, it'd be like, "Bitch, please, <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? Let me see your face." 
and she pretty much gives the rules, which is kind of nice, you know, you, you know, you hear, she's very, you know, um, informative, I guess you can say she gives all the rules, you know, they're in the convent, they're not talking. So they, so the two investigators, Burke and Irene can't speak to anyone and boy, oh boy, that first night they come across some shit and it only escalates from there. That's pretty much all you know. Need to know for the narrative without getting like giving you a full summary of the movie. I hate giving you full summaries. That's where we're at. Shit just hits the fan. You find out Burke has some secrets. He he was trying to uh, exercise a little boy that eventually died due to his his wounds from being possessed. Irene is clearly a uh, a target of this of this demonic presence because I don't know she didn't take her her vows yet i don't i don't know shit shit goes sideways what i kind of liked there's a couple scenes that i did like was that was that first night it does build that tense in the uh, tension of the first night oh fuck like these people this can't just be happening right now it's not going to lead off to like the main fight but that was a good first night probably the most intense of the first nights of these movies because it just kind of it just starts right off the bat. It just bang, 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 bang. Things are going all over the place. You know, you even see the nun a couple times. You see that shadow on the walls when uh, Irene is in that uh, that praying room, I guess. The mirror shatters. Um, the snake pops out of the little demon boy's mouth. And, and again, if you're claustrophobic... You're going to be terrified of that scene because a guy gets buried alive for no reason whatsoever. And it's just, he's underground. He's like, he's buried six feet under in a coffin out of nowhere. Um, what I also liked about that scene, obviously it's a lot of foreshadowing of the bells and stuff because the plague, if you get buried alive, the bells start ringing. You knew something was going to come from that. I should know how it was going to come from that. But they played it off nicely. It's kind of, it's kind of scary. Um, but again, if you're claustrophobic, that scene's, that scene's going to scare the shit out of you. And then especially when, you know, you're in a, you're in a grave and then some, some hands grab you from, from where you're laying down and start grabbing your face, molesting your face. Yeah, no, that, that was, that was good. I like those effects. That was, that was, that was solid. What I didn't like in the graveyard, um, different scene, but it's when Frenchie initially leaves the castle you know, you see shadows and stuff, ghosts and stuff, which is on, on, you know, on par for the other movies. But this one, it started adding a little bit more like practical effects, where all of a sudden, a dead body drops on him, which is again scary. You know, it has a jump scare, all that good stuff. But <laughs> it it kind of reminded me of um, Evil Dead, where these these corpses start acting like alive and attacking him and all that good stuff. It it, it seemed. It, it it wasn't scary for me. It just it just seemed campy in a way, and I didn't think I don't think that's what they were aiming for was camp. I think they were aiming for terror, and it wasn't. It just wasn't. It, it just it just seemed really. I didn't like it. The practical effects were were fine, but it was very crypt keeper esque. Um, it was also kind of funny when he starts leaving the graveyard and he takes a cross with him. And he, you see it later when he's in the bar, he still has it with him. That, that's a nice little touch. But now you'll see those practical effects more later on throughout the movie. But shit, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. 
I like the buildup. I like the the tension. The tensions have the fear that you're supposed to supposed to feel in these movies. And once you see it, it kind of takes away the power. Like, you know, like knowing the demon's name, Valak, kind of takes away the power of the demon. Again, there, you know, the the puzzle kind of starts unraveling. You know, you see Sister Irene. She's she actually meets a few of the nuns. And they're very hush-hush on what's happening, but one of them gives her a whole bunch of narrative, a little conversation on what's happening. It's, you know, there's this evil guy who was trying to raise the dead. It was it was very um, He-Man master in the universe, trying to, like, raise raise a demon and, and, and rule the world. <laughs> and the Knights Templar, they came in and, and saved the tower. They saved the abbey. But yet there was a crack. And then World War Two came, and then reopened the crack. And by the way, did I mention that Jesus Christ's blood is the key for all this? Now, at this point, you know what I'm thinking. After I hear that, okay, this has just be tur- turned into a very uh, gothic Indiana Jones movie. All right, you see, I, there's a key, and it's Jesus Christ's blood. Or you know what? It's a mix between Indiana Jones, The Conjuring, and The Da Vinci Code. Without all those stupid little puzzles and without an albino man. Jesus Christ's blood. I'm just going to let you marinate in that. Alright, just think about that. Jesus Christ's blood. Okay, so, cool. That's what closes the hell mouth. Alright, and apparently it's still in the Abbey. Cool. Alright. Fast forward, there are a couple other cool scenes. I'm not going to get into too much that detail without ruining all the scary scenes for you guys. If you still want to see it. like Obviously, if you're listening, it's spoilers included. I liked at the end where it's just tense as fuck. It's coming down to the final showdown. <laughs> Frenchie enters a room and it's just a bunch of dead people with hoods all over the head with blood all over the place probably sacrifices um that was alluded to with the old um hellraiser let's say before the guy that got stumped by the templars and irene's one of them she got duped into a trap whatever that's tense it's a tense scene i like that i don't know i don't like how they all got split up in these these underground tunnels, these catacombs of this abbey, you're supposed to be together. I hate, I hate these horror movies where it splits up. Just be smart for once. I liked how in, you know, Cabin in the Woods, they kind of played on that cliche where at least it was drugs making them make the stupid decisions. Decisions. And obviously it it just happens way too often. Stay in a group. You're together. Be together. All right. Don't don't go wandering off into random corridors where you know there's a nun trying to fuck you in your ass. Don't do it. You're you're gonna get bamboozled. Right. Uh, speaking of this uh, little bit here, the one scene that was probably made infamous now with this uh, marketing campaign for the nun, um, the trailer where um, you know uh, Sister Irene she's walking down the hallway she looks one way looks back 
There's a nun behind her. You don't see her. It's all black. It's like a Grim Reaper-esque nun. Keeps walking. She says hello, and all of a sudden she gets fucking... Ah! Something pops up to the side of her. That was actually banned on YouTube. That was that was an ad for some videos before you start playing. And it, was, it had to be removed for shocking content. And guess what? That was a good jump scare. Even when I saw the trailer, it the first time, it, it startled me. But again, the atmosphere is right. You didn't know a lot. And some jump scares are effective. I don't hate them, but I just hate when a movie is loaded with them and that it's just cheap scares throughout. I'm of the thought where a scare should last longer than the second and a half where it happens when a loud music cues you to be scared and something pops out at the same time. Now again, that's that's effective in certain ways. This one was in the trailer. Obviously, it scared the fucking piss out of people who are watching their, uh, I don't know, top 20 fail videos, you know? But that's funny how how that marketing actually... It scared people. It was effective. Got me to see it. Anyway. Don't split up in hallways. I hate that. Be smarter. Anyway, you get the conclusion. They find Jesus Christ's blood. Oh my God. Again, another beef here. They finally find it in, you know, uh, lights. (laughs) This is where the Indiana Jones thing comes in. A light is hitting off. You know, the beam's coming through. It's hitting off a figure of a statue pointing in the right direction. It's Mother Mary to a wall. The key opens up the thing, the secret key that had the nun, the initial nun, killed herself with to protect to protect the abbey. Opens up, and it's just, it's a vial. It's a glass vial within a glass egg. Why? <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's so stupid. This is the most holy of relics. The most holy. And if it's true, obviously it, it had the effect. It was it was so pure. It's this, this important relic. Liquid. Protected by glass. Now I get they probably didn't have too much to protect um, the blood of Christ with back in the day. But you think maybe... Um, if you know you're holding it and it's 1950s, you could probably protect it with something else. Maybe remove the vial, put in something a little bit more, um, I don't know, durable. Because maybe what if what if none Butterfingers comes along, needs it for whatever reason, and whoops, the daisies, whoop, smashes it everywhere. You fucked up. Obviously, it helps the heroes in this movie at the end of it. But come on, man. I, just, I couldn't believe it. It was it was still it was pristine, and and it lasts quite a bit of it lasts a couple of falls, but then it's still glass. I feel like I'm picking on this for dumb reasons. It's a demon movie, a nun demon movie, and I'm picking on how they stored Jesus Christ's blood. In a glass Easter egg. Yeah, I know that sounds silly, but it's one of those things where I just I didn't see like the practicality of it. Now they save the day. Obviously, at the showdown with the demon, she fucks a bunch of shit up, almost kills Frenchie, but they don't. They save the day. Congratulations! Now 
little did you know the little cliffhanger is the nun actually infected the French guy, which you know now know he reveals the name to be Maurice. He's the guy that uh, you see in the first Conjuring to be being um, exercised by Ed and Lorraine Warren as uh, an example film footage of the woman that's watching it for for educational purposes for her own uh, family Um, which she gets eventually Ed and Lorraine to help with her house the Perron's family house that's cool they did a bunch of um, editing for that actually to make sure it looked it actually looked like the actor that portrayed Frenchie and they put in Patrick Wilson's voice or someone that sounded like him to include, oh, you know, his friends used to call him Frenchie to make sure that nickname kind of lined up with it. But that's pretty much it for this. Like, there are good things here, you know, shadows moving, things popping out. The camera, the camera work is good. The setting, I, I don't like how that one hallway, like loaded with crucifix, crucifixes, crucifix eyes. I'm going to say crucifix as if it's it means multiple crucifix. I don't get rid of the fog. I just want I want the setting. The setting's already creepy enough. You don't need that extra bullshit, the effects. It's just it was almost good. It just you had those practical effects and again you have these like zombie type sisters pop out and stuff. I, I didn't like that. Like, you know, again, it, lo- it looked all right. But at the same time, it felt off for this franchise where it should be focusing more, not not the necromancy, the people rising from the dead and, and the demons taking over the dead bodies, but just make it more ghostly rather than like the practical effects. I feel like it didn't suit this movie. I forgot to mention this before, but one of the big plot twists is that all the nuns are dead. <laughs> they're all, they all, they're all, they all died. And, uh, sister Irene is just seeing them. I like that little twist. You know, it, it kind of, you can kind of, you can kind of see it. You kind of see it coming, but I did like it, you know, as a light twist. If you're not used to these movies and you kind of might not see it, but I did like, like it. Cause it gave them like the spirits a little bit more emotion. They're crying they're trying to protect something. It 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 was nice, and then actually had some like they grab people and like grab Irene to kind of protect her and inform her at the same time. So they try to hide the fact, but it's it falls it falls apart pretty quick once if you're if you're used to this type of form in a movie. But once you have people jumping at you and the and the bodies start jumping at you stuff like that like. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. All in all, like, it was all right. I still I still prefer the the other movies. Like, The Conjuring, I think, is, like, the first one is still kind of up there. Even The Conjuring 2 is all right, where it it's on the verge, especially that, that story. It's on the verge of being, like, based on a true story. But, like, is it real? Is it not? They kind of play that line nicely. For this, I knew it was all since it was all fictitious. I think they really ran with the property. They really ran with the idea, and at the end, it kind of just got silly. You have this main demon Valak that you know have built up, 
I, I don't know, man. Like, you just kind of went a little overboard, even for this type of movie. Even, like, <laughs> there's things that you could have done, but I, I don't know what I would have done better. Again, this is armchair reviews for fuck's sakes. I can't do any better than them. But the other movies, they they did a better job. They had they had a foundation to work off of. And the only foundation that this movie had to go off of was, was the other ones. And leaping that far ahead, I I don't I don't know if they they hit the mark. They I know they were on the right track for sure. Otherwise, they wouldn't have the spin-off. Now, before I wrap this up here, I'm going to talk about timeline real quick. So, compared to the other ones, this is the first movie now in the franchise chronologically. I'm just going to paint this picture for you real quick before I jump off to what's going to be another spinoff. This is the first spinoff, right? Or second, I guess. But this is the first one chronologically. Uh, Takes place in 1952. Next one in the line is Annabelle Creation. So that that movie spans all over the place from 1943, 52 to 55. It mainly takes place, I think, in 67. But that ties in directly with this because the nun appears in that one. And you see, like, the picture. And that picture from Annabelle Creation is what really prompted this one to get a sequel or to get its own movie. Then there's Annabelle the movie version of that takes place in 1967. That leads directly into The Conjuring, the first one that came out in this whole universe. Uh, the movie came out in 2013. It takes place in 1971. And then, obviously, the last one, uh, but not the most recent movie, um, The Conjuring 2, which takes place over the years of 1976 and 77. Now, why I lead off with that is because there's also been a spinoff which I just mentioned um, I think it's called if I don't rem- if it reminds me okay yes it's called The Crooked Man who if you've seen The Conjuring 2 it is The Crooked Man is that creepy little lanky bastard that the that the, the boy sees in his lamp that uh, if you spin the lamp really fast you see The Crooked Man it plays a song it's a whole little gimmick there and he actually envisions the crooked man. And it was one of the highlights in the movie, which is kind of awkward again. It's just like this slender man ripoff and chases the kid. The demon takes the the appearance of the crooked man. Anyway, that movie is getting its own release. I think it's coming out in 2019 sometime. So this, this franchise, it's not slowing down anytime. And there's a reason for that. Because this thing is a moneymaker. It's a moneymaker. Um, this is the first movie in like a month, I think that toppled crazy rich Asians that that movie just has been dominating the box office recently now this this one the nun had a budget of about 22 million dollars which is pretty reasonable for a horror movie like a mainstream horror movie that's pretty good and I think the return right now I think in the the international like the worldwide total is 141 million so that's pretty fucking good. Like domestically, that's I think what what did it gross? Looking on a very reliable source, Wikipedia. Half of that, like almost half of that, sixty two point two million was in United States and Canada alone, and that was enough probably to take over as a number number one box office right there. 
because um, Crazy Rich Asians has been out for a while. But this these movies make money, and it's they're going to continue making money regardless of the quality of it. But I feel like I feel I know they're on a good path. I just feel like this one for me it it really missed a couple things. And towards the end, as I said, it was a really it was hard to keep serious with the whole way they found the the answer and the holy relic and Jesus Christ blood solving it. You gave it a very adventuresome climax, which I guess these like these possession movies they kind of need now, but I don't think they need it. I think make it dark, keep it dark, make it make it end on a dark note, not just like an upside down cross burned into some skin. But again, it's a prequel, so you know the bad guy needs to come back. But this way, it finished it way too fantastically. You know, it should have been the end. This this would have been the end if this is the end they gave it. It should have been another way. Not this, you know, ghostbustery type of finish, finale, where you know the bad guy's going to come back anyway. Anyway, I'm done ranting, I think, for the night. This actually went a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. You know what? It's been fun. I had a fun time doing this. James and I are going to try, we're going to try to see The Predator this week, an upcoming reboot, soft reboot of The Predator continuation. I don't know what it is. It's a Predator movie. It, it seems like fun. And hopefully we can reconvene there together. Hopefully next week James will, uh, will have a sliver of time to chat with you and I again. I had a blast doing this, though, solo. If I have to. I'll put out some more solo podcasts later if you guys like it. And if you guys did like this, because I know I did, I had a fucking blast doing this. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at ohmygodandaudio at gmail.com. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash armchair-reviews. I'm on Twitter. I need to get back on Twitter because of the show. I'm at Christoph Godin. James is at Mackay or Mackay J14 on Instagram. You can catch James at Mackay J91 on Instagram for myself at Christopher Gods. We're also on Twitter for our uh, show at Armchair POD. I'm going to be trying. I know I said this two months ago, but I feel like I'm going to do it now. I'm going to pull the trigger. I might get a new host for us. And hopefully that'll allow us to get on to Spotify. Not only iTunes, but Spotify as well. So you can take us wherever your little heart desires if you truly want to. Alright guys, I think that's it for this week. As I said, I'm going to try to do Predator next week. If not, you'll be hearing from me yet again. It's been fun guys. Cheers. Until next time, this has been episode 39 of Armchair Reviews. Bye bye